Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the forgotten origins of fairy tales. The podcast where I look into the truth behind our best-loved children's stories. This week's fairy tale is one I've always been aware of, but realised when I started researching it that I don't think I've ever actually read it before. I assumed I had because it's so well known, but honestly, reading through it rang no bells at all. <laughs> so the tale I'm referring to is Tom Thumb. I usually give a brief overview of the story I'm talking about in each podcast, but it was so hard to find an abbreviated version that actually made sense. I'm going to read through pretty much the whole story. So here we go. In the days of the great King Arthur, a poor beggar was trampling through the countryside of England. One day, when his feet were sore and his bones were weary, he knocked on the door of a ploughman and begged for a bite to eat. The countryman welcomed the stranger into his cottage while his wife fetched some milk and food. Little did this good-hearted couple realise that their humble guest was in fact Merlin, the greatest wizard who ever lived. Merlin was so touched by their kindness that he asked them some subtle questions about their lives and soon learned that they were full of regrets because they had no children of their own. The poor woman said with eyes full of tears, I should be the happiest creature in the world if I had a son. Even if he was no bigger than my husband's thumb, I would be satisfied. Merlin was so much amused with the idea of a boy no bigger than a man's thumb that he decided to grant the poor woman's wish. And the following year, the ploughman's wife had a son who was no bigger than his father's thumb. One day Tom's mother went to milk her cow in the meadow and she took Tom along with her. As the wind was very high, she tied him to a thistle with a piece of fine thread to stop him from being blown away. But the cow soon saw Tom's oak leaf hat and took poor Tom and the thistle in one mouthful. While the cow was chewing the thistle, Tom was afraid of her great teeth, which threatened to crush him into pieces, and he roared out as loud as he could, "'Mother! Mother! Where are you, Tommy?' said his mother. Here, mother, replied Tom, in the red cow's mouth. His mother began to cry and wring her hands, but the cow, surprised at the odd noise in her throat, opened her mouth and let Tom drop out. Fortunately, his mother caught him in her apron as he was falling to the ground, or he would have been dreadfully hurt. One day, when he was out in the fields, being very careful to avoid the cows, a raven who was flying overhead spotted him. 
She swooped down and picked him up in her beak and flew away with him. Poor terrified Tom was screaming and wriggling, but the bird only let go of her captive when she was over the sea. Down, down, down he tumbled into the water, and a moment later a large fish swallowed him whole. But very soon after that, the fish was caught and bought for the table of King Arthur. And when the cook opened the fish, everyone in the kitchen was astonished to find such a small little boy in its belly. And Tom was quite delighted to be free again. They carried him to the king, who made Tom his miniature court jester. It's said that when the king rode out on horseback, he often took Tom along with him, and if a shower came above them, he used to creep into his majesty's waistcoat pocket, where he slept until the rain was over. King Arthur one day asked Tom about his parents, wishing to know if they were as small as he was and whether they were well off. Tom told the king that his father and mother were as tall as anyone around the court, but rather poor. And on hearing this, the king carried Tom to his treasury and told him to take as much money as he could carry home to his parents. And Tom rushed off to fetch his purse, which was made out of a water bubble. And when he returned to the treasury, he found a silver threepenny coin to put into it. Our little hero had some difficulty in lifting the weight of his treasure, but at last he managed to pick up the purse and set off on his journey home. In two days and two nights he reached his father's house in safety, with a huge silver piece on his back. He was almost tired to death when his mother ran out to meet him and carried him back into the house. Soon, though, Tom returned to court where King Arthur made him one of his trusted knights and he was given a mouse to ride into battles. So where does this story come from? Well, Tom Thumb has its own claim to fame because it's the oldest fairy tale written in English. Although lots of the tales I've covered date back to biblical times, they were all either oral tales or written in different languages and then translated into English during the 18th and 19th centuries. But Tom Thumb was written and printed in English in 1621, making it the oldest English fairy tale, kind of by default. It's thought that, like other fairy tales, Tom Thumb does have an oral history that predates its publication, but there's no evidence to say when it dates back to, unfortunately. There are recorded mentions of Tom Thumb, though, in the 50 years preceding its publication, and in some pretty weird places. So the one that sticks out is from Kentish author Reginald Scott, who published Discovery of Witchcraft in 1584, during the peak of the witch trials in England. And the work was intended to show the public how they were being fooled by charlatans pretending to be witches, and it's believed to be the first publication on stage magic. But in a small section, Scott lists all kinds of witches, ghouls, boogeymen and other mythical creatures, including Tom Thumb. So there's proof that the tale was widely known and referred to prior to 1621. He also appears in poetry by Joshua Poole and Martin Parker in the late 17th century as well. 
and then it was rewritten at the turn of the 18th century as Tom Thumb the Little, but also sometimes referred to as Thomas Redivus. I don't know if it's meant to be part of some larger collection and that's why there's confusion with the name. I, I couldn't quite work that out. And there's also a lot of confusion around who wrote it as well, as some believe it was English author Jonathan Swift and some people think that it was an unknown American author. But anyway, in this version, whoever's it was, Tom Thumb dies at the end but comes back as a ghost and rules over the world of the fairies. Yeah, this tale didn't really take off and has largely been forgotten about. So where does it appear next? Well, the Brothers Grimm. Yep, them again. They published a similar tale in 1812 called Thumbling. But although it has the same central character as the original... The story is very, very different. So in Thumbling, a poor childless peasant couple wishes for a child no matter how small. And seven months later, the wife has a child no bigger than a thumb, which they call Thumbling, who becomes a wise and nimble creature. Thumbling, as he grows, wishes to help his father with the chores, so one day asks if he can lead the horse to where his father's working by sitting in the horse's ear and giving it directions. As Thumbling performs this chore, two strange men notice the horse is being led by a loud voice, and when they find out that the voice belongs to a person sitting in the horse's ear... They ask his father if they can buy Thumbling to make a fortune in exhibiting the little man. And Thumbling convinces his father to take the money and leaves with the men by sitting on the brim of one of their hats. But after a while, Thumbling tricks the men into letting him down and goes and hides in a mouse hole. Later that night, Thumbling tries to sleep in the shell of a snail, but is awakened by the sound of robbers plotting to rob a pastor's house. Thumbling yells out to them to take him with them, and he will help them rob the house by going into it and handing things out to them. The robbers agree to carry him to the pastor, and Thumbling, making as much noise in the house as he possibly can, pretending to help the robbers steal, wakes people up by yelling things like, What do you want? Do you want everything? Making the robbery very obvious. A maid wakes up and scares off the robbers, but doesn't see Thumbling. Thumbling gets a good night's sleep until he's rudely awakened in the morning when the maid feeds the hay he's lying on to the cow. Thumbling begins to yell from the cow's stomach, but the pastor thinks that it's an evil spirit and has to kill the cow. The cow's stomach is thrown into a dung heap, and before Thumbling climbs all the way out of the stomach, a wolf eats it. Thumbling, now inside the stomach of a wolf, persuades the wolf to take him home to his parents, on pretense of eating everything there. His parents kill the wolf to get Thumbling out, and promise never to sell him again. So you could say the Brothers Grimm gave Tom Thumb a modern twist to fit the times. But if the Brothers Grimm, the most famous fairy tale collectors of all time, didn't mention the name Tom Thumb. Why is it so familiar to us today? 
Well, it wouldn't have been had it not been for the famous variety performer in the mid-19th century whose professional name was Tom Thumb. His real name was Charles Stratton and he's commonly referred to as the first global celebrity ever. Stratton was born in 1838 Bridgeport, Connecticut and by the time he was four years old he had only grown to be 25 inches tall. Gossip about the boy's size quickly spread around the city until it reached the ears of notorious entrepreneur P.T. Barnum, who most people know as the main character in The Greatest Showman. But I'm not going to lie, that film had a weird take on Barnum. In the film, he's caring and kind and just looking to make people smile. But in reality, he was a pretty cruel and greedy guy. Go look him up. And you'll see what I'm talking about. Anyway, Barnum had an attraction in New York called the American Museum, which he filled with people with unusual features, who he called freaks. I want to make it very clear I'm not calling them that, it's just what he referred to them as. But when Barnum met with Charles Stratton and his family, he was intrigued by the size of the boy and bought him. Yep bought him for his exhibition. At first the child was simply a part of the museum but when it became clear to Barnum that he was a natural performer he built him his own stage in a theatre that could sit 3,000 people. That's a lot of pressure for a four-year-old. But he was a natural, loving the limelight and entertaining thousands of people. And it didn't take long for his fame to spread throughout not only the US, but the world. Throughout his career, he was wined and dined by the likes of President Lincoln and Queen Victoria, who were both ardent fans. And then he changed his name to Tom Thumb because of the fairy tale. But if anything, he actually brought the tale more attention rather than the other way around, as the story was published over 20 times during his lifetime and sold out in bookstores across America. So really, we have this variety performer to thank for the fairy tale's longevity. Well, that's all for this week. I hope you found it interesting. Next week, we're in Paris, looking into why Victor Hugo wrote The Hunchback of Notre Dame. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out my Instagram page, Forgotten Origins Podcast. That's all one word, Forgotten Origins Podcast, where I post new content every week. And we'll be posting the merchandise designs on there for you guys to vote on by the end of this week. Oh, it's exciting. (laughs) And please recommend this pod to friends and family you think will enjoy it too. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.